would invite you to take your Bibles, please, and turn to the Gospel of Matthew, chapter 7. The Gospel of Matthew, chapter 7. We come to, and we are in the final uh, verses of this phenomenal sermon. There has never been a sermon like it. It is most phenomenal because it is multifaceted. Some people will stand up and say, well, I have a three-point sermon this morning, or some will say, I have a five-point sermon, or, or something of that nature. Uh, this is multifaceted. Uh, this has points upon points upon points upon points. If I was to stand up and say, I, I have a 93-point message I want to bring this morning, I'd empty the place in about 20 seconds. But Jesus had uh, captivated for a fair amount of time, I would suggest, on this hill, a fascinating demographic of people, Pharisees, Sadducees, the normal kind of person that was curious about Jesus. A lot of people were curious about him because his reputation, if you read the first four chapters uh, of Matthew, or actually chapter 2, 3, and 4, more than chapter 1, obviously, but as you read those chapters, you begin to see uh, a rising in in popularity of hearing Jesus, seeing Jesus, watching Jesus. And there were a lot of Jesus watchers in those days, a lot of Jesus hearers in those days. And Jesus held them uh, and their attention in, in this fascinating, long sermon that covered many, many aspects of the Christian life. And at the end, of course, as we mentioned about three, four weeks ago, that uh, the last chapter is really application and very much what to do and how to respond to everything that happened in chapter uh, 5 and chapter 6. And Jesus is calling the hearer to be discerning, to know what's right, what's wrong. We live in a culture that's greatly confused about this. How do I know what's right? How do I know what's wrong? How do we really know what the right thing to do is? And Jesus draws the lines in, in sharp, bold, uh, black type that you can see and know this is the line, this is the borderline here, and don't go beyond this. And if you go beyond this, you will find yourself in great difficulty. You'll find yourself in great sin. And so we come to the therefore of this passage. And in the therefore of this passage, which begins in verse 24, we have the, the picture of how is it that we are to receive the word, what is to happen having heard the word, and what's going to happen to us. Because he really does give a description here of two builders. And uh, it really does beg the question, what kind of life uh, are you building today? Well, hear the word of the Lord in verse 24, Matthew chapter 7. Therefore, everyone who hears these words of mine and acts upon them may be compared to a wise man who built his house on the rock. And the rain fell, and the floods came, and the winds blew and slammed against that house, and yet it did not fall, for it had been founded on the rock. Everyone who hears these words of mine and does not act on them will be like a foolish man who built his house on the sand. The rain fell, and the floods came, and the winds blew, and slammed against that house, 
and it fell, and great was its fall. Well, it begs the question this morning, what kind of hearer are you and what kind of a builder are you? Because Jesus has been preaching a message. And although we have entitled it the Sermon on the Mount, and the only reason why we entitled it the Sermon on the Mount is that sometime, somewhere, some Bible editor, some printer, uh, decided in giving a little description as to what was following decided that they would call it the Sermon on the Mount. That's the only reason why that appears in your Bible. They could have called it something else. Could have called it principles of Christian living, principles of honoring God, any number of things it could have been called. But th there it is. And, and so that's the affectionate title by which we call it. But it reaches this point where Jesus takes us to the therefore, the concluding remarks. This is not unlike uh, Ecclesiastes when, when the inspired writer takes us to the end of Ecclesiastes and gives us the therefore when all has been said and this is the therefore when the sermon comes to an end what is the result what is the response we know that Jesus is preaching the word of God the inspired word of God we know that because we have it on our laps those people did not have uh, that particular privilege they had a great privilege they heard the Son of God in person. We need to see and recognize from the get-go that when we look at this passage, we're seeing a picture here of the necessity of hearing the word and acting upon it. That we are to be hearers of the word. And we see that and are reminded of it on a number of occasions. You think, of course, of Psalm one, the very first psalm, is a wonderful psalm that tells us about our life and where we're planted, where we find ourselves, and how we're to live and conduct ourselves. You go a step further, a few steps further, and you go all the way to Psalm 119, the longest psalm in the Bible. And what is that psalm about? It's about God's word. It's about hearing the word. It's about patterning our lives after the word looking to the word, in the word, and laboring to follow the word. We have that reminder when the Apostle Paul uh, was, was preaching. And in 1 Thessalonians chapter 2.13, he says this, For this reason we also constantly thank God that when you receive the word of God, which you heard from us, you accepted it not as the word of men, but for what it really is, the word of God, which also performs its work in you who believe. And so we see and recognize the, the primacy of the preaching proclamation of God's word and the necessity of responding to God's word. Paul in 2 Timothy is writing from a cold, dark prison cell. He is going to be going into glory very soon. And as he writes... He gives a charge to Timothy, and that charge has to do with the proclamation of the word. And so he says in, first, in 2 Timothy chapter 4, verse 1, I solemnly charge you in the presence of God and of Christ Jesus, who is to judge the living and the dead, and by his appearing and his kingdom, preach the word. Be ready in season and out of season, reprove, rebuke, exhort, with great patience and instruction, for the time will come when they will not endure sound doctrine, but wanting to have their ears tickled, 
they will accumulate for themselves teachers in accordance with their own desires. And here Jesus has been laying out the principles of life and he gets down to the end. And he says, therefore, and he, he harnesses everyone and draws them in. And he says, therefore, everyone who hears these words of mine and acts upon them. It is not just an academic exercise that Jesus is going through. We had a fascinating professor in college. And your first year in college, you're kind of overwhelmed by everything. At least I was. Uh, and I went in. Um, and I was 24 years old. I was out of the school deal for a few years when I went into college. And uh, I was rather intimidated by the whole thing. And it took a while to get used to it. And it took a while to get the goods uh, on our professors. And uh, I knew something fascinating about one of our professors, Dr. Murray, who I've mentioned before, is that he lectured without any notes. He would just march in there and he was a well-read, well-learned man, and he would just stand in there, and he said, okay, your syllabus says this, and this is where we're at, and let's go, and he would have at it. Uh, another fellow came in, and I noticed something, and it was okay. Uh, I noticed that his notes were in a loose-leaf binder, and I noticed that they were all falling apart. Uh, they had been used and used and used and used and used for so long uh, that uh, they were just there and they were tattered and uh, I thought I wonder if this is fresh I wonder if this is hot off the grill uh, when he's speaking or is this just is he just sort of going through this and now I'm going to do the same thing next year and I'm going to do the same thing the year after and so forth I naturally responded a little better to what uh, Dr. Murray was doing uh, than what this professor was doing because somehow there was a a, a a warmth to it and a determination to it that somehow I need to listen to what this man is saying and I need to pay attention to what he's saying and I'm going to be accountable for what he's saying. And in a very real sense, that's the way it is for you and I when we're listening to sermons, when we're driving in our car, we're listening to uh, sermons on the radio or off the computer or off a CD or whatever way it is that you're listening and whatever way it is that I'm listening, we are to respond to what's being said. And Jesus is calling for response. He's taken us all the way through the Beatitudes, all the way through the application of the law, all the way through in terms of, of how to pray and the practice of righteousness. He's taken us all the way through the practicalities of life, what we eat, where we are, who's looking after us, who's clothing us, who's providing for our needs. He's taken us all through that. He's taken us through the, the, the necessity of being out into the world and discerning everything that happens around us and measuring everything. And now he comes down to the end and he says, now here we are demanding response. Now what is the response? Well, in the response, he is describing two types of builders, if you will. And you notice that in verse 24 and you notice it in verse 26. Those that hear these words of mine and, and he cares and maybe to wise man a little bit about him. Wise man than the rock. Verse 26, another one. And it's an act, what he means, he does, of, of one who is wise and one who is, and Jesus is not saying to these people, are hearing the word, are to be lies builder. Are hearing the word, really, really don't care, are described as those wise or foolish. 
But we notice whether one is the or one is the they both heard is not that Jesus hung for a little while and he say a word to the wise, preaches to the wise. This uh, okay now uh, now I want to and he speaks twenty five minutes. Let's go back to the wise. No, the the message is when you read your Bible. If you have a red print Bible, I know uh, all about those. But you go to the Bible mark and we'll say that the wise color is blue. The unwise color is somebody's going to say well green. I don't think much of blue. What? But it's interesting to see, okay, wise, wise, oh, unwise, foolish, oh, mm. no. It's a, and it shows us that it is possible, the same message, wants us to that message. Possible to remember reading one of, where he, pre he had said, I preached that day. Lesson. And the lesson that he said he learned was after the church fire. If you know anything about Spurgeon, seen the thousands and uh, some character uh, shouted fire that were trampled to death in the, uh, in the church. As a result, it was actually palace and uh, crystal cathedral. Don't, uh, some people lost their lives. Spurgeon was and he struggled and months and months sermon together just to be and preach. He said these and at one time he had people and saying, Lord save me. It's all the, that mess such and such. I can't remember preaching out of the book of Romans. The Lord save me. Came and said, the Lord message you preached from Roman or 8, whatever it was. He said, the Lord save me. I have conviction. And, and, and he had a number of people come. Collected upon that. That was a lousy sermon. That that they respond, respond by repenting and believing in Christ. Here are, are types of builders heard the same message. Jesus didn't give any secret information to one crack from the other. They all have the same seats. They don't call it for nothing. And they, and they heard the Lord Jesus. And Jesus said, For his words and them will be compared to man. And then he talked, Hear the word and on them and wise. Let's look at that and see these two builders. Because London. One reasonably, the other foolishly. Notice what a thousand builders. The V is at verse 24, house on. He built it, spiritually speaking, rock. Turn over to 1 Corinthians for a moment in chapter 6. laid, and then he identifies the foundation. Foundation appropriate to it. And the foundation Jesus. We build our Jesus Christ. Not forming a Paul fan club as he was writing in Corinth. We've had a myriad and Paul, matter of fact, in the of, of the uh, Paul said, I, I, "So your infants, you're right back to the past. and uh, that way." Point as he seeks them, he said, "The foundation upon lives, where Jesus Christ is to be based upon one's Christ." And see here, thinking about in Him, lusting in Him, stand wise repentance. He found faith, if you will, in in Second Paul is writing Timothy, and he wonderful relationship with Timothy, son in the faith, and Paul. And so, he is bringing two reminders of how he is to be fervent in list. And he said, of chapter 2, Nevertheless, the foundation of God's having this seal, the Lord is. And names the name is to of some wickedness. What is the of those upon Jesus Christ? Those that are going along and, and professing, saying, I'm really not sure, I'm really not sure that a lot of things you're on are important to be narrowing to just do what they feel like doing. And a lot of times, in one of the bywords of our generation, and the generations that were brought up during the hippie days, but they were brought up by somebody, so they had some, some hangover from their generation too. The byword is, who can know for sure? That And let, let's do it that way. And when Paul writes to Timothy, he says, no. He says, everyone who names the name of the Lord, what are they to do? They're to abstain from wickedness. 
Now, this, this, this has a presupposition to it, doesn't it? It has a presupposition that they know what wickedness is in the first place, right? They know what the standard, a clear direction, right? And what is, then everything would face. But here, one large lab called, and I'm in this local lab, Essex County, somehow muddle my, try this, door slam, I'll know two things, and it's flat. This obviously is for me to go to, go there. No, we have a, God's word is clear. This is not word. It has this impression that he who hears the words acts upon a wise man. It says this is, the, this, is, this is what we're building. It's the first Timothy, not so far for you to go there. He talks about those who are storing up for themselves the treasure of a good foundation for the future. And it's hard. It's hard. When I was 16 years, to pick berries for my job. When I was 12, I remember one time I had picked a large, large a basket of raspberries and a skunk and a drum. Seconds after we got our, our brief, out came a black and white cat. So a moment of, of lacking back in berries. But I, was, I thought, I had enough of berry, gooseberry, and all that. Did all those, and it was good fun and no pesticides. So uh, off I go to the city to work. So I went in looking for summer work, wondering if there's any that you have for me. I'm 16, who I was, and, the, and I said, I'll try whatever it is that you want me to do. And he linked me up with my neighbor, who was a carpenter, who was doing contract work for them. And every time he was working, he'd stand back and he'd look, and he'd say, that will stand the test of time. That will stand the test of time. One thing I learned, the gentleman's name was Doug, and one thing I knew about Doug was this man was not a sloppy, slothful, lazy guy. He worked me like a dog from the time I walked in to 8 o'clock in the morning till 4.30 in the afternoon. And every once in a while, he'd say, I hope I worked you hard enough today. Can you imagine saying that to a lot of people at the time? And we'd be working along, and he'd say, that'll stand the test of time. And he'd look at it, and he'd say, you look at it, and I'd look at it, and then he'd straighten my head out, and he'd say, there, that's right. And away we went. This man was building. He was a craftsman. This is going to be there 100 years from now. I wish it was they took a wrecking ball to the store years ago. But he, that's what he was instilling to his son, who later became a contractor. And uh, that this is life. We're building for life. It was a great summer. I remember. Do you see what Jesus is saying? Your response, no matter who's in the pulpit, where we find ourselves on the Sunday morning, and we say, well, that's it for April the 10th, 2016. Another one, not at all. <clears throat> he is showing <clears throat> that we are to respond and build for life. This is the tragedy of our day, isn't it? So it asks the question, what kind of builder are you? He says here, as we look at this man, Therefore, he who hears these words is compared to a wise man who built his house on the rock. That's what they were doing. But we have another builder here, don't we? And you notice the story of it. And you see it down in verse 26. <clears throat> and in 26, he tells us, he hears the word, these words of mine, and does not act upon them. We'll be like a foolish man who built his house upon the sand. Now, the interesting thing is this. He was building too, but he was not building according to the blueprint of the word of Christ. Because that's exactly what the Sermon of the Mount is. It is a blueprint for living. 
And I'm not so sure that John MacArthur or, or James Montgomery Boyce didn't call it exactly that, but God's blueprint for living. That's exactly what it is. But somebody comes along and they're, they're sort of a left-door hippie and they say, I don't want to be encumbered by all these traditional ways of doing things. I don't want to have to do it that way. I want to do something. Wise builder who built upon the, on the, the me generation, he's building on the sand. You listen to advertising, if you follow the advertising industry at all, and you listen and watch advertising and see how many times goal, the thrust of advertising is to let you know you're number one. You deserve better. You deserve the best. You're right on top of it. <clears throat> and so we have that picture. Think of Proverbs says in verse 18, production. I was going along. Things are going well. I'm building my kingdom. Just like Nebuchadnezzar. Remember Nebuchadnezzar? It's a beautiful sunny day. A lot warmer than it is outside today. And he's out on the balcony. And he's looking around. And he's admiring. And he's saying, look, I'm really good. I'm admired. You're really good. Periodically, I, I, I know that. And I butcher it. But there's a show on television called The Voice. Awful you are. And somebody with a voice like that shouldn't be licensed. And, and so forth. And saying, no, this is different. And the thing about it, when I've seen this, that they're always wanted for one. Really good. That was fantastic. The other thing I noticed is how sloppy they are with the word. And the guy that walks up, love you, man. Love you, girl. Love you, the box. You know, discriminate use of soupy, but have to it at all. Facade. Lovey. It's out. It makes you. And, and you are building your life and you do certain things and people are around you and praising you. It's good, 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 good. Jesus says, no, you're building on side comes before when you see yourself, you've been for too long. Get started. That's Proverbs chapter 6. Pride goes before and a haughty or stumbling. Fall into sin, something. You never, when you're meditating, you notice that? Never fall into You find yourself with God. It, also, we're told on the sands be pleasures. Testimony is a phony in Hebrews chapter 11, where you're reading it, and a town that he either bear with God, then the pleasure in culture. We want the pleasures of sin. We don't even care what the we want the plan. We want in right now season because I have and I, I'm number one in the risk of pursuing it. Going for it. Verse man who want of understanding will rest of the day. Only the book of Proverbs like that, right? A man from the way of understanding never accusing obtuse to understand the most sermon if I'm talking about what Jesus was in which he was saying completely, the gospel clear. We don't philosophize about the lay it out and we whether you're laying hope, whether you're laying you're going and people. With the gospel obscure and still do. That's what he's putting it right there. Those that heard wise and fall and some were and the, the rouses that the man the way of under rest in the assembly of the dead. That's where he's gonna of the dead. Grains of sand of pride. The hand of me for the grains of steep pleasures. This, I'm going. It's our language. Isn't it? You hear that all the time. And Jesus, that's the way fool. Oh, chapter 12, we read these words. And it really is a Luke 12. He told them a parable. The land was very productive. 
And he began to himself, sphere of his reasoning, to himself, what shall I do to store my crop? Then he said, this is what I will burn, I will build, here I will store my grain. Say to my soul, deepest essence, what I'm planning and mouth, and I soul lay down, will come to eat, drink, and be merry. Response to that. Before, our world, isn't it? When you're watching, I haven't watched a lot of, because there hasn't been a lot of good, there's been a lot of bad hockey. You know, when they have beer on television, for uh, mothers against drunk, when they show these, these beer gut people, that throw up, they show that. They show that it has to serve these fools, that. Ambulance picking up these people, except for mad, of course. They show that. No, they, it's all, isn't it? It's worth to make the choir. Young people will make it because they're more impressionable fogies. Watch, and we're to having a beer with the guys. Good. This is joyful experience. We're, we're substitute, and I'm sure somewhere having uh, marijuana, and we'll be recreational. I mean, right? Recreational marijuana. I might have questions on them, but that's another issue. That's our culture. This culture. And be married. Jesus says, you fool, or God said to him, you fool. This very night, your soul is required of you. Your soul is required of you. I don't know what night it is, but make no mistake, your soul is required of you. And what kind of construction business are you in? What is the structure of your house like? And Jesus says, look at this. Your soul is required of you. And now, who will own what you have prepared? And on and on, he gives the picture. Well, very quickly, and then we're done. Notice this. The inevitability of the storms of life. Rock, and one was a foolish builder building upon sand, but whether you're the wise builder, no mistake, storm will come. We don't preach storm-free Christianity. By talking to somebody, and they give you a list of problems, as long as there's a list of problem after problem after problem after problem. Don't Go and say, okay, Christ will take all those problems away. Do you know what you're likely to have is new problems when you come to Christ. There are some sins in your life and in my life that have an after. Even after we may come to Christ in faith and repentance and be forgiven for our sins, there is an uh, events that have taken um, children out of wedlock, divorce, to boyfriend, girlfriends that you'd rather not talk about and hope that your, your loved one finds out about. And all of a sudden, you, you profess your faith in Christ. And who do you see all the time? That old flame friend, that old girl. Who do you see all the time? That just runs, runs through. Or the lose their body. They've come to Christ. The abuse that put into their body, put into their mind, doesn't change its Sins that were so mavery of still having power, self wanting to back and back. The storms of life. The storms of life come upon us and upon us. There's no Christian life. Come upon the but notice sufferance. Come and the storm. We chose us here in that the 25, the and the winds blammed against the house, did not fall, verse was founded upon was the rock. Remember when Paul was writing. Wonderful passages that, that tell us, God, verse 28, Romans, God causes all good to those who love God, who are called according to his purpose. Reading on, and you, re and you understand, this is pretty rough. Read us, verse 35, will tribulation, stress, persecution, 
He's right upheaval. There's all these hearts coming down upon. But the house fell upon a rock. And the rain fell, the floods came, and slammed against that. Some way, everything will all end. Sinful life against God, not end. Lived happily after. Oh, that's of Christ. That's the peril of ignoring the Lord. That's the of building on your own and not and trusting in Him and submitting to Him. And the sand begs the question: This, just what are you? And will eternity you, the one, or will you? to be the fool prayer. Father, we bow before you, knowing, Lord, storms in our future. There are always storms. There's storms, storms in our future. The winds, all the tragedies themselves to us. In their, and we'll either hard, hard, find ourselves and wave rumbling. It does beg the... What is the blueprint that we're building on this day. And building for eternity with Jesus Christ as our Lord and our foundation, our cornerstone. Or are we being a monument to ourselves that will mark our demise to be found as wise builder, glory of Jesus.